to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I want to speak to you about habits and more so I want to speak to you about rituals and how habits are really are mindless rituals. Rituals have existed since the beginning of time. Humans have created rituals around times of the day, times of the year, of the season and times in life. The purpose of rituals is multiple. From one perspective, we can see the practical side of remembering how to do something, just even remembering to do it. We could say that it's the procedure of how to perform something. And it also situates us, therefore, in time and in space. It regulates us. It's soothing. We know that we've come to the point where we need to do this and that. Naturally, it's the different holidays, of course, that we all have experienced, depending on where we're from in the world, celebrating this and that festivity, with all the specific preparations that it demands. It's even taking those specific rituals from maybe our family with us when we then move into the world, when we move away from the parents and we might not always go back home for the different rituals or the festivities. And so... We remember very well just how we perform these rituals for so many years. We reproduce them and it makes us feel calm. We know that this is the time of the year, this is the time of the day, and this is the time of my life when I do this thing. It grounds me. And it makes me feel purpose and things make sense. This is, of course, also why when we move into the world and we might even move far away from where we originally came into the world, we can have a tendency to be drawn to other people having had the same type of rituals and then perform them together. Simply said, I live far away from my family when it's birthday time. 
me and the people I have around me maybe there will celebrate it in a very similar way to how many people have learned since childhood that we celebrate birthdays. When we live in another country, we might even find other people from where we come from in order to celebrate the national day or this and that holiday. When we perform a ritual, we need to be aware of what we're doing, what comes next and how to finalize it. There is a beginning, a middle and an end. There is an immediate feedback loop. We can see, feel and acknowledge the result instantly. A ritual is not necessarily something difficult to perform, but it demands focus on the task and it brings a sense of satisfaction as we skillfully execute it. Interestingly enough, what I've just said are exactly the ingredients in what we call the flow state. In order to enter flow, Csikszentmihalyi, who came up with the concept, pointed down or noted down the points that were necessary to enter flow state. So when we're in flow state, we're very close to like this complete absorption. We're in the zone, as someone would sometimes say as well. And it's really what creative people, artists and stuff will seek out in order to in order to make a new piece or whatever their creative um, side is. We're usually in a creative state when we're in a state of flow. Children tend to be in the state of flow much more easily than adults because there's a part of effortlessness and play that's involved that comes to us naturally when we play as children. And then that disappears when we become adults because we become aware of the result that we want to have with what we're doing and all of a sudden productivity comes into it and then we lose this effortlessness because we're trying too hard actually. And it's also um, close to higher states of meditation. So the more we meditate, the easier it becomes for us to access this state, which is why well, med meditation has such benefits in completely different parts of life that might seem absolutely not related to meditation at all. Athletes, of course, when they perform really well, they're in a state of flow. They will definitely enhance getting into the flow state as they prepare themselves for competitions, for instance. And so as I mentioned, there is this childful, childful feeling of effortless action. So there's an aspect of openness, which is as opposed to a state of contraction, our very most healing state to be in for our whole organism. When we are experiencing this effortless state, we are far from this whole 
contraction, anger, frustration, trying, pushing. And it actually has activated, it activates different states of our mind, of the, uh, of the cortex. Now, this aspect is crucial in order to reap the benefits of the ritual on any level. Because as soon as our focus goes away from what we're doing, we also tend to lose that effortlessness in the state of mind. Because obviously we can turn our attention towards something else while we are performing the ritual. We can start to plan our day or obsess about a conversation from last night, for instance. What happens is that our subconscious part takes over. So to illustrate this quite easily, the very first time you were to drive a car on your own, you were extremely focused on what you were doing. You were completely absorbed with what you were doing. Getting into the car, starting the car, making your way out of the parking space. Whereas many years later, or even a year later maybe, actually, you did all that probably without even realizing that you were doing it. Focus on something else. For instance, maybe the idea that you were late for work and you were already stressed about that and you didn't want to you know, get into trouble with your boss or something. That whole thing, that ritual, had become second nature. It has become a habit. And this is what I wanted to come to, of course. When something becomes second nature to us, there's a part of ourselves that take over that we call the subconscious mind. It's like in our bones, whatever we're doing, the performance, I mean walking in itself, right? But it's of course also the case for plenty of things that we tend to do, whether it's actions that we take or just mindsets that we have. And this is the reason that it becomes so difficult to change them. I want to take the opportunity to mention my online program for you. It's a program dedicated to healing all kinds of typical illnesses that we find in modern days, from chronic fatigue, anxiety, digestive issues, weight gain, weight loss, insomnia, and everything in between. Now, I've put this together in a way that we assure success through three individual consultations with me, eight group sessions with a whole group, and educational material for you to digest whenever you can and want to. We work on healing whatever you want to heal, take care of whatever needs seem to be unmet in your organism, or even without trying to heal something specific, finding the perfect routine that works for you. If you are seeking to find more balance in your life, if you keep yo-yoing in how you're feeling physically, mentally, or emotionally, and never being able to really see how that stabilizes, then this program is for you. Get in touch with me, either through my website, yogisha.com, or 
send me directly an email, charlotte at yogishah.com, and we'll jump on a call to talk about it more. Thank you for listening. Back to the episode. Let's take the habit of always wanting to control a situation because, well, it makes us feel reassured. It will be very difficult, even if we decide that we want to stop doing it, to just stop doing it. We do it as a second nature. We're not even aware of doing it. Our mind is somewhere else and we just do it anyway. Just like complaining. Or, and of course all of these kind of go together, the fact of always expecting the worst case scenario. Kind of obsessive thinking, focusing on the negativity. So the, what we call the negativity bias actually. These states of mind that we all carry to a certain extent, I would say, have become second nature to us. More so, they've become our perception of the world. And even if someone would point out to us, and even if we would point out some of it to a certain extent ourselves, it can be very hard to change those habits due to this fact that it has become second nature, that we perform them so skillfully that we don't have to think about what we're doing anymore. What we need to do in order to then actually change them is that we need to but basically create a new ritual, a new habit, if you will, that will come in and replace them. So as a way to speak, for instance, about addiction, Let's say we talk about addictions of eating or smoking or drinking. Some of the most typical ones that everyone kind of carries around with. When we want to stop doing them, the best way is to become very aware of them and then progressively replace what we're doing with something else that might be more beneficial. Let's say instead of overeating cookies, Replacing that, to begin with, maybe just with a fruit and then progressively work on that as well, right? This is, of course, what the vaping industry caught up on when people started to wanting to stop to smoke and they and just gave a new habit that seemingly were, was more beneficial for different reasons that we don't actually know if it is, of course. And of course it isn't. Anyway, we need to replace what we're doing with something else. When you go into therapy, when there's a person sitting opposite to you, listening to you talking, it's actually part of this process. It means that the person sitting opposite to you is paying attention to those habits that you're not aware of, the second nature part, and then reflecting that back to you so that, first of all, you become aware of it. As I've said in other episodes, if you're not aware of it, there's really nothing you can do about it, of course. So that's obviously the first thing, right? It is to take this mindless ritual and making it conscious again. And then progressively, as we become more and more conscious of it, we have the possibility ourselves 
to change it for a new habit. Typically, oh, I'm complaining again, aren't I? Oh, I'm aware of myself complaining. How could I change my mind right now so that I'm not complaining in this moment? Do I need to complain? Or maybe not. What does it serve me to complain right now? It doesn't really serve me at all. It actually just makes me feel bad. The openness and effortlessness that I can feel when I'm not complaining is definitely not there when I'm complaining. I feel instead contraction and I feel maybe obsession over something. So that process of bringing things into the light of awareness is taking place. And when it's something that we are completely aware of, then just like any other ritual that we do consciously and that we are aware of, it becomes, of course, easier to do it a different way. When we go into therapy, the same way, actually, that when we turn towards a spiritual practice, such as yoga, when we decide to take our own well-being and and our health into our own hands by adopting a yogic lifestyle or by going into the Ayurvedic lifestyle. We decide to change the habits that we have, that we are performing mindlessly and that are not serving us, and replace them with new habits that we have chosen. And this is, of course, why there's all these rituals a part of the yogic lifestyle, the Ayurvedic lifestyle. The rituals are there at specific moments for a scientific reason. It follows the law of nature, and so therefore... That ritual is done at that time and in this way in order to go with that flow. And then the ritual is performed in a certain way so that we remember to do it, so that we remember how to do it, that we are absorbed in the moment, putting ourselves in that state of flow enhancing our capacity to go into the effortlessness, the open state, the healing state, every day, always at the same time, always in the same way. So that progressively, not only are we beginning to reap the benefits of it, but that it also begins to become second nature. It is when this begins to come second nature, really, that we come to the conclusion all of a sudden that something has shifted inside of us. All of a sudden, it doesn't feel like work anymore. All of a sudden, it doesn't feel like we have to choose this over something else. All of a sudden, it just feels like me. And of course, this is exactly what we're striving for when I work with people. 
Like I've said it many times to the people I work with that after some time, it will be like brushing your teeth. You just do it and it almost feels strange if you don't. Now, our brain is wired for these kind of behaviors because that's what uses the energy in the best possible way. It's to be, I want to say, economical. It's probably not the right word. I'm translating directly. I want to be clever in how I use my energy. That's how my brain is structured for survival. And so it functions very well with what's already familiar. It functions very well with habits and therefore the same procedures performed in the same way. Really these like (laughs) machines in that way. And that is of course why you gain health and well-being as you begin to live this way. You could also adopt, of course, habits that are really detrimental for you that will then instead kill you. And that not, they're still going to be so familiar that you keep doing them. Now, these tend to be the bad habits that we have that we didn't really get into consciously. What we want to aim for is that state that makes us feel effortless, that makes us feel relaxed, that makes us feel open. Because that state is when everything begins to heal. And the more we can train our brain to be in that state often, the more healing we receive and this is why once we start this we begin to see healing in all different areas in our life physical health mental well-being emotional stability professional success relational satisfaction so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode I am very grateful if you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this please help me to spread the word share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging and even more so I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.